Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to a Believe podcast. I'm your host, John Hoisenstein. This is the guitar life. Special guest today, the groove master on the bass, Mr. Vernon Porter. Vernon's played the bass, Kenny Loggins. Beth Midler, Tim Weisberg, Dave Mason, Michael McDonald. Whew, what a list. Let's listen to what Vernon has to say. Okay. How's it going, man? It's going quite well and better now that I'm talking to you. <laughs> Same here, man. Vernon Porter, great to, uh, great to have you on our show. Oh, thank you, John. It's great to be invited, man. Really appreciate it. Wow. I'm thinking about when I first met you, we were in uh, Newport Beach having (laughs) a jam at my brother's house. Yes. Many, many years ago. Yeah, and there was another guy there um, who went on to uh, be quite famous. Melvin Davis? Melvin Davis. He plays for Lee Rittenauer right now. Yeah. Yeah, Lee Rittenauer, Chaka Khan's MD, I believe. All wow. kinds of good stuff. Yeah, great player. Jamming at a beach party. Yes. <laughs> right before you left for Australia, I believe it was. Yeah. Well, that was the whole idea was just to have fun before I... And in a way, it baited me to come back. The audio is great. I don't care what you look like. <laughs> oh, okay. Good news. You know, yeah. I, that's what I was asking you yesterday. Do I have to comb my hair? Nah. No, you look COVID fine. COVID hair. He looks fine, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, you too. You look great. Oh, I'm hanging in there. I feel healthy. That's good. Yeah. It Uh, is good. Tell me about what you're doing now with music. Are you busy at all with this COVID thing? You know, I'm trying to be as busy as I can. Uh, Before it hit, uh, there's a new group that that I've joined that's uh, members of other uh, high-visibility, high-profile bands. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're trying to keep it under wraps because of the launch. We're getting ready to launch. So anyway, we've got five rehearsals in with that. And uh, then, of course, everything is shut down. So we get together for an hour or two every week on uh, a format like this and tell jokes. Yeah, just to kind of keep everything loose. Just to keep and connected. connected and wait for the, uh, exactly. wait for the uh, medical, uh, medical uh, <laughs> solution or the uh, overall solution to take place. Yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah. And then also uh, there's a trumpet player, Gary Winters. Okay. Uh, do road work with years and years ago. And uh, great player. He's done a lot of different stuff in his career. But uh, are you familiar with Fred Wesley and the new JBs? No. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, that was James Brown's uh, backup band for a while, the horn section. 
Maceo Parker, Fred on uh, trombone. And he's been touring with them for probably the last 20 years. And mainly in Europe, he actually moved to Germany. So he and I have been friends since probably uh, mid-70s. Uh, since you auditioned started... for James Brown? I did not. They called and offered me the gig, but I didn't take it. Uh, it was right after uh, Loggins. I was pretty fried from road work. And, and uh, to be honest, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the the money and the lodgings were not that appealing. Okay. So, I got you. So I, yeah, uh, I know about the lodging honored. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was honored Traveling. to get the call. Well, and, you know, doubling up on rooms and things like that. So where'd you meet him? So anyway, he and I met back east. He's originally from uh, Cincinnati. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. And so we did a lot of work all over the country. And then he did, uh, like I said, a lot of different stuff, American Idol, things like that. And then he's been in Germany for about 20 years. He does a lot of symphonic work over there, scoring. He's an amazing player. So he and I started communicating again that, you know, we'd been friends for all these years and we should probably get to doing a record together before it was too late. So we had just started that conversation and we're going to use all the guys from this other band that I was telling you about that I can't reveal yet for publicity reasons. But at any rate, uh, so that got put on hold and I'm also, uh, well, that's a real serious music, uh, endeavor you're talking about. That sounds like something where you guys are, you're chasing art and at the same time you want to be visible. And, uh, that's exciting. I want you to keep me uh, up to date on that. Oh, I will. You know all the guys. I think you will be, uh, you know. Am uh, I? Am I one of them? Of what we're <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I always love playing with you, man. You know that. Oh, thanks. Gosh, we had. So That's much why I started this show so people could tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I've had well, fun though this so is, far. This is great. Well, I'm happy for you, man. It seems yeah. like a really great, fun thing you're doing. Yeah, no, that's and all. One it thing is, I yeah. can talk about is uh, I'm also. Uh, going to produce a singer-songwriter from uh, Columbus, Ohio, by the name of T.J. George. And that project, all of the uh, resources that will be raised out of that project are going to fight the uh, opiate epidemic. And we've got a couple of friends that are going to join us on that project. You guys may have heard of Michael McDonald and Bill Champlin. I, I, I know very well who that is. <laughs> right. So we're very humbled that they've when you said agree to come on board that I might have heard of you meant that we as of millions of people might have heard of <laughs> <laughs> right. Michael McDonald well, my god that must be great working with that guy well he sang uh, you might remember this he sang on our second above the clouds record uh, and we cut the single uh, from that so Michael's a good guy I've known him for a long time since way back in the day when I was with, with uh, Kenny Loggins right so He's a very gracious guy, you know, loves to get involved in things like that, that uh, change our world. You know, what's great uh, about this conversation, Vernon, is that uh, I'm talking to a guy who's been at it a long time and you're as enthusiastic as ever. It just sounds wonderful. I'm you really, know, I'm well, thank you. John. I'm, I'm really looking interrupt. forward to hearing what you guys are going to do. It sounds like uh, oh, something worth going out and checking out. Yeah, Absolutely. It's kind of been a a little bit of a musical rebirth, you know, because I moved back to my hometown about five years ago of Columbus, Ohio, thinking that I might retire. And I actually had a doctor that said, you know, some people do great in retirement. You're not one of them. (laughs) 
you should probably go back to work. So we came back to California and, you know, by the grace of God, I still had a lot of friends here in the musical community and have been working nonstop since we got back. So I'm very, very thankful. Terrific. And it's good to have you back. I uh, Thanks, buddy. I know we haven't played uh, together in a long, long time, but I, in memory, uh, I can tell you one thing. The first time that I heard you, I just remember this guy that was playing with his fingers, right? And suddenly he was playing with his thumb and nothing happened to the groove, if you know what I mean. It was like <laughs> a lot of times you play with guys that use their thumb and they play, uh, you know, they try to play slap style, you know, on the bass and, and the, the rhythm gets too displaced. But not in your case. You really know how to keep the pocket going. Yeah. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Humble Good stuff. Buddy. Yeah, I know. It's really great. So, um, you know, you were with Kenny Loggins for what, uh, Five to ten years or something like no, that. Well, about- felt like it. No, about three, about three years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was great. I loved it. Uh, that was from I'd say late '81 to early '84, I believe. Uh, you know, I'm confusing your uh, history timeline with Steve Woods' timeline because I know he was Kenny Loggins' music director for about ten years. So exactly. Yeah. So I Steve, I, Steve and I. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Steve Woods. The digital lag that makes it me a rude person to converse with. Uh, the uh, uh, Steve and I joined at the same time. Oh, okay, and he, and he, he yeah, sta- and then, he stayed on board. Yes, right? he did. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did. you must have done some fantastic uh, touring in that lineup because I know all the people in that band. Uh, it was Tris and Bowden, right, on drums. Y- yes. Yeah. Absolutely. He, who's with Chicago now? And then uh, uh, he actually retired from Chicago. Oh, is that right? Oh, well, I mean, but he, but he did go to Chicago. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For like 28 years. I mean, he was a lights like out drummer. He was amazing. And then he you had is. Michael Hamilton was a guitar player, right? Correct. Yeah. Wow. You guys must have yeah. been insane. And uh, Neil Larson was the other keyboard player. And... Uh, Oh, that's yeah. how that that's how that band must have come about. Uh, the Lar- Larson Featon band with you Did that come after uh, was that post uh, post Loggins? No, that was actually before Kenny. That was the first gig that I was uh, blessed to get uh, when I first got out here to the West Coast. Uh, Buzzy Featon, Neil Larson, Lenny Castro, and the late great Art Rodriguez on drums, and uh, I was very fortunate to to make their, their, uh, lineup. And, uh, so I did that for a few years, uh, did uh, a couple trips to Japan with them, toured the U S amazing musicians. It was an education. Yeah, that that would have been a lot of inspiration. Oh, that, that band. Not, so yeah. much to learn. You know? Here, here's a, a side step that you took, uh, with Bette Midler. What'd you, what'd you do with, uh, with her in mind? Well, that was actually after Kenny, and uh, I was just worn out, you know, because I'd been on the road for such a long time, including Larson Feeton Band and Tim Weisberg, and, oh, we and can then talk Kenny about Tim, and Tim Weisberg too. That was he was on t- TV a lot when I was. Uh, what were some of those Dick Clark shows? Uh, oh, did he do? Yeah, those? he used to play on. Uh, uh, shenanigans what was that uh shish boom was it shenanigans i can't remember the name of the show uh <laughs> something like that but uh yeah he was uh, he had a lot of exposure way back in the late 60s and 70s he 
Tim Weisberg. He, he did. A, he he played. He plays flute, by the way, for those who haven't yeah. heard of Tim Weisberg. But and yeah, then he did. Uh, well, if you remember, he did Fogelberg White uh, Weisberg, twin sons, different mothers. Wow. And that was a huge record that really, like, brought his career out to the okay. forefront. Yeah, yeah, Dan Fogelberg. Yeah, he was huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I tried so to make a. a I tried him. to audition for the band that was going to back him up. I didn't make the audition because the guy they hired was a much better singer than me, which is uh, sad. But uh, anyway, mm. I, I was, uh, you know, around, you know, L.A. at the time when a lot of sessions were going down and a lot of uh, bands would get put together in Los Angeles and then they would go out on the road, that type of thing. So, right. so Bette Midler, uh, talk a little bit more about her. I kind of cut you off, sorry. Oh, no, that's fine, man. Uh, you know, I received a phone call from a former tour manager with Kenny saying that Bet was looking for a bassist. And I said, well, I'm not sure I want to go out right now. You know, I'd been out, like I said, for a long time. Felt like I needed to step away a little bit, you know, kind of recharge. So they asked me if I'd be interested in doing some tracks. So I said, sure. So I went uh, uh, to the studio the very next day. Huh. And this was her, uh, what is it, No Frills record and did a couple of uh, tunes for that project. And she was sweet as sugar, man. Just yeah. treated me like gold. She was yeah, so Barry nice. Manilow used to uh, back her up. So Yes, she's, exactly. She's been around quality for sure. Yeah. yeah, and she was a real sweetheart. And so I felt bad because I got home and then the phone rang and they said, so you're taking the tour. <laughs> said, and, and you said, no, no I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I already told you that before you asked me to do the record. And then we kind of went back and forth and back and forth a little bit. And boy, they sure did make it tempting. But at that point in my life, like I said, I just really wanted to take a break, kind of recharge and refocus on what I wanted to do professionally. And personally, uh, but, yeah. yes. Everything but you do is some... professional, Vernon, but you just wanted to do more personal stuff. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Do the Dairy Queen tours fall into that category? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I yeah. do. I'm just Bette Midler is but actually it, quite professional, Vernon. You don't have yes, to like she, brush her aside like that and say <laughs> that you know it wasn't professional. Yeah. No, no, not at all. But there was a, a pretty interesting synergy there because Mike Hamilton left Kenny at the same time I did, and then he actually took the Bet gig and toured with that record. Mm. I don't think he did any of the sessions, but he went out on the road with it. That's amazing because she also had uh, Mike Miller as a guitar player for <laughs> yes. God, she's just yeah. like, I mean, what is she doing? All of us good musicians favors or what? I mean, these guys are like, <laughs> she just finds the best guitar players and says, I want that guy to be in, in the band. I mean, what a show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Always top notch players. Yeah. You know? oh, that must've been fun.
Yeah, that was Vernon Porter with the uh, Kenny Loggins Band. Live in Tokyo in 1983. You're listening to a Believe podcast. This is John Hoisenstam, and this is The Guitar Life. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe. And background singer, do you know Melanie Taylor? You know Melanie? Uh, and that, why do I know that name sounds familiar to me? Why, why would you ask me that? <laughs> You know, she's a, a, an incredible vocalist, and she's been around the scene for many, many years and was with Bette for a long time and Barry Manilow for a long time. Uh, I think she did a uh, Aerosmith tour. I mean, she's done so much stuff. And she's like a, a Orange County. That's that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. yeah I, might, I might have, but I can't, uh, yeah, I can't recall uh, working with her. Yeah. So, yeah. so Bette Midler and well, you didn't really uh, go into detail about Michael McDonald. How did you get to meet him, or did you meet him through Kenny? You know, yeah, years and years ago. Uh, briefly, we kind of you know just in yeah. passing. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? And uh, then you know we, uh, my recording partner at that time, the great Vince Denham, right, uh, sax, sax player, yeah, just just did Robbie Krieger's new record, and it's great. It's like you're talking about 2000, 2020. Yeah, just released. You don't, you don't mean back then he did. A, you mean he they just did something, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. They've been working on it for a while. And I think it just got released a couple days ago. Well, there's an innovator, and, Robbie Krieger. Sheesh. Right. And when you listen to this record, it's forget it. It's not reminiscent of that at all. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's like he's, he's kind of a fusion jazz guy. Yeah, like somebody else I'm speaking with right That's now. That's what I meant by creative. I don't. I wouldn't think that uh, he's the type of guy that would want to go. Let's do the Doors again, and we're going to feature <laughs> Vince Denham's going to play all the melodies that uh, you know that the <laughs> right. Doors used to. You know, geez, that yeah. would go down like a lead balloon. <laughs> That'd be a retirement party. Yeah, Jim Morris. <laughs> yeah. Here's Jim Morrison. That would that would be a clam in jazz. That would be a clam. They didn't do that, right? No, they didn't do that. There's actually you go to his website. I went on last night because I just spoke to him a couple days ago. Sure. And he was telling me that the record just came out, and he said, "Yeah, go check it out and see what you think." So I went on Robbie Krieger's website last night and checked the tune out. They're featuring uh, one song for a few weeks, and then they'll feature another one. And it was a song that Vince actually wrote for them. And uh, great track. God, I hope it you. slams. And it really is, man. I would encourage you to go check it out. Yeah, no, really I hope are. it really does well. Yeah, that sounds exciting. So, but yeah. but for to keep on track with uh, Vince, uh, you guys formed sure. a band, uh, Above the Clouds. And uh, that, did. Uh, that was born out of... Uh, uh, was that the Weisberg backup band, or how did that come together uh, initially? Sort of. It was, uh, well, Vinny and I, although we'd been playing together ever since I got out here on the West Coast, we had a little funk fusion band for a few years around Laguna Beach called the Funk Bunnies. Right, I've heard of you. That, yeah, sure. Yeah, they just had all these ridiculous players. You'd come off the road, and then we'd you know, go yeah. blow our frustrations out in a club, you know, and it was a really <laughs> great band. It's sad to hear you say that. <laughs> that's kind of true i think i specialized in that <laughs> running running from the tour bus to the club you know that was my little haven yeah i know that yeah, yeah. i know that one sure yeah 
So we worked together uh, for all those years when I got the call with Kenny, because Vince was with Kenny Loggins and Loggins and Messina for many, many years. But Kenny decided to not take a horn section out on that tour. And so Vince and I were still playing locally. Then a few months after the, uh, the Kenny gig ended, Vince and I actually went with Dave Mason. Right. And uh, uh, recorded and toured with Dave. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Uh, Split Coconut. What was the uh, yeah. what was the era of the music? Now this this would have been oh boy, probably mid eighties, I guess. Okay. The record was called Some Assembly Required. Oh, it wasn't the Split Coconut album. It was something. No, that, no, no. It was yeah. af- it was after that. Yeah, I oh, think okay. we had one hit, one hit off of that record. Yeah, And uh, so we did that for a while and I quickly got to the same place again where I really wanted to focus on personal stuff. So uh, yeah. Vinny and I decided to start the Denim Porter Band, which, you know, uh, got a little bit of play. We got we had the same manager as the great Alan Holdsworth. Um, so we were signed as a package deal to Warner Brothers. But uh, Alan went on and we were dropped before we did our first record. Oh, so, darn. Yeah, that didn't work out too well. But hey, it's fine because then, you know. Uh, Nothing to do with music. That, no, no, not at all. Yeah. It's just, you know, they, I think it was part of the package deal. You want Alan, you got to take my guy. So, yeah, let, let's uh, back up a little bit and talk about Dave sure. because, uh, you know, this is primarily a guitar show. And uh, I include bass players in that. I think bass players are just big, fat guitar players. So, so thanks, John. You know what I mean. I'm talking about the strings, not the uh, not the yeah. belly here. Oh, okay. but Dave Mason, uh, geez, uh, like uh, going way back in my mind, I, I used to see him um, playing a, you know, an old Firebird, and then I've seen yeah. him playing uh, Stratocasters, I think. But uh, I thought he was more of a Gibson guy back in the '70s and the, or maybe even the '60s, right? He was. He goes way back. Can yeah, you remember well, what uh, he was uh, playing on uh, those tours, uh, guitar-wise? Uh, yeah, he was. He still had. He was using strats a lot, but I think he would pick up the Firebird on a tune. He still or had two. it around, huh? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Ah. And uh, you know that first record of his, he really was a very distinct voice on his instrument. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know he had his own style. That's one thing about Dave that was so great, and he's one of the most giving. Uh, guys that I've ever worked for, uh, you know, cause he'd always give at that time it was Bill Meeker, the great Bill Meeker on drums and myself, Larry Cohn on keyboards. Um, and then events, of course. And then the other, uh, guitar player, uh, Jim Krieger who wrote you and you and me, and we just disagree. He was another fine musician. And so at any rate, Dave would always give his players tons of room to play. That's so great. when it was time for the rhythm section, he would just clear the stage and let Billy and I do whatever we wanted for 10, 15 minutes. I'm and drooling. Come back out. I'm drooling yeah. while you're telling me the story. <laughs> Where are those band leaders that let guys play? You know? Right. Yeah, my yeah. last uh my last year on the road, I didn't get that kind of uh it was more like suppression than creativity. It was like, we know you yes. can play, but we hired you to do this, you know? Yes. Which was great because it's just a discipline anyway. And I it learned, I learned a, a different type of music, which was great because I wanted to, but I didn't really get to like lash out and uh, show people uh, what technique, the word technique means, you know, I didn't, sure. I, I didn't get to go there with that, but I know what you mean. That's great. Wow. 
All right, uh, God. I saw Dave Mason at the Forum with Led Zeppelin. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, Fleetwood Mac, Dave Mason, and Led Zeppelin. Yeah, that was the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice triple bill. He was fantastic. And, you know, that Firebird sounded... I mean, I liked it even better than Jimmy Page's guitar on the night, you know. It was clear yeah. as a bell. And he did these really nice pull-offs and hammer-ons that were so, like, rhythmically, like, in the pocket, you know? Yeah. Like he wasn't even trying. Yeah, he's a great musician. I love that guy. He really is. Yeah. yeah. It was an enjoyable experience. So um, uh, I know that you you played a lot of church music, and you got to work with some real fine uh, fine uh, Christian musicians, I guess. I don't know. I think that would be a co correct labeling. But uh, Yes, uh, yeah. This guy, Rick Tatum, uh, singer and tap dancer? Or is that a joke? <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> okay. Good. Way to go. Way to get him. That's yeah, the no, way to get him. Yeah. Joke. Some PR guy had it in for him uh, and wrote tap dancer next to his uh, name. Exactly. What I was think it may like? have been Rick. Let, let's, uh, let's just talk a little bit about uh, this. Uh, music circle right because uh these people are are uh, playing music for inspiration the deeper Absolutely. the deeper the inspiration the deeper the music which would be the philosophy so you must have been yeah. playing playing a lot of that type of music you must have been involved with some incredible moments uh you know uh, i don't want to use the word spiritually let's say the spirit of the thing must have been very high a great deal of the uh, time yeah. Yeah, it was. And I was very fortunate. I produced Rick's first record, uh, got to tour Israel with some great players, Mark Seal um, and uh, He's a Tony Pia. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, and Ron Pedley, the great uh, keyboard player that had a group years ago on A&M called Uncle Festive, which was a weather report type band, but uh, amazing musician. And he's the circle's smaller than we think. He's actually been with Barry Manilow for 30 plus years. So it's, it's like interchangeable chairs here. Oh, okay. But that was, that, that was amazing doing that tour. And then there's a gospel artist that's very well known by the name of Don Moen. Okay. And uh, my last major tour I did with Don and we did Europe and Africa. And we played in uh, Lagos, Nigeria. And there were 500,000 people there that night. And so it was just wow. a very surreal uh, experience and all great players. And most of those Cosmo, guys were cosmopolitan. I mean, when you get five hundred thousand people in a, a stadium, say, or an auditorium, or wherever that was, um, was it a cosmopolitan crowd, or was it uh, primarily one color or another color? Uh, no, it was primarily one color. Yes. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, Africans, and uh, so they have a a, um, a national stadium there that holds four hundred thousand people. And then they had an overflow crowd outside with big screens and wow. sound support that had another 100,000 people. So it was very surreal. And when we walked out on, on stage, Don has a huge following in Africa. He's been going down there since the 70s. And they show their appreciation by whistling. So, you know, we're getting tuned and, you, you know, stage is blacked out. the loudest whistle, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. I think we hit a, it, probably about 1 o'clock in the morning. You blew the cones of the speakers. With the whistle coming from the crowd. <laughs> Sounds like right. a hurricane almost. Yeah, yeah. And it's that was amazing. 
I was watching um, some guy in his car in a cement parking lot in Lake Charles last night. He had his uh, live video going with the Laura, the hurricane hitting. And oh, he said kidding. he said the air pressure, you know, was incredible because the wind was blowing 140 miles an hour, right? And it was blowing wow. through these, uh, you know, these uh, parking lots, right? But I could imagine, you know, a half a million people whistling. Yeah. That must and have And then hurt. the energy. Yeah. And then the energy that comes to the stage, you know, when you start playing. It's like. Yeah. Well, that's one of I'm... those experiences where you, you know, you cross the list and go, thank you. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> well, that's a, you know, I was trying to be, uh, you know, I was, I was fishing here, you know, for that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of experience that the, uh, you know, that the, the audience, you know, that, that listens to music. You know, here in a podcast situation like that, it's nice to hear the musician talk about, you know, personal experience because we're all hoping that's what's happening. You know, we, we see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stories about uh, musicians and, and music that aren't exactly uh, telling the whole, you know, story. So mm-hmm. in a case like yours, yeah, we've been talking about it you know, a lot of uh, pop music and a lot of great jazz and stuff. But here you have this, uh, you know, uh, uh, religious music or spiritual music, uh, uh, you know, which is a whole nother, you know, uh, purpose. And there mm-hmm. you are, you're, you're telling us about, uh, you know, the, the reality of it, and it's incredible, right? So, uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm feeling it. I get chills just having uh, you tell me about it. So that's great. Really good stuff. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. It really was. Yeah. Very thankful for that one. Yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah. How about some of these other, uh, I don't know how quite sure you pronounce her name, Sharia Bissonnet? Oh, yeah. Sharia Bissonnet. Excuse me. That is, you know who the great Matt Bissonnet is, the bassist? Okay. Right? Yeah. He and his brother, uh, Greg, you know, came out of North Texas State and were in David Lee Roth's first band. You know, both of them just amazing musicians play anything you want, you know, jazz, gospel, or whatever it is. They're just phenomenal musicians. That's a sick pocket. Vernon Porter on the bass guitar. That track was called King of the Lobby by Mario Rossi on keyboards there. Wow. You're listening to a Believe podcast. I'm your host, John Hoisenstam. This is The Guitar Life. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe. So at any rate, he, Matt now has been with Elton John for several years as his bassist. And so... Uh, when I started going into music ministry, Sharia 
was the first record that I had produced uh, of okay. that genre. Yeah. Well, that would have been and special. Same thing. Got to use a lot of great players that we know in common. John Ferraro on drums. Um, sure. You know, Gary Wing on tenor sax. Just, you know, just phenomenal musicians. It was slamming. It was slamming. <laughs> <laughs> great. Oh, that's great, man. I'm glad you're so entrenched in that because that, that can do nothing but good, all that stuff. Yeah. God it's, bless it's you. Been a, it's been a, uh, an exciting uh, season of my life, you know, kind of up and down. But when I look back now, I've been involved in, you know, that type of music for 25 years. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing that the time has gone by as quickly as it has. But, you know, focusing less on that these days and more on the projects that I was telling you about. Yeah. Uh, the, some of the secular playing uh, just because I get to, you know, uh, go and mix with different players sure. and uh but you're you know carrying are, it man you're a carrier yeah. now yeah once you once you well, get to drenched in that that scene you take that with you wherever you go i mean yeah you could be in and out of uh you know that circle but you're t you're you're bringing that circle into every situation yeah i think yeah, exactly right yeah. yes no you're yeah. right Let, let's you're right. uh let's talk about buzzy uh feet a little bit here because uh sure I mean, he was a guitar player right what kind of what kind of memories do you have working with him? Because he's, uh, you know, he's a kind of a legend, right? I mean, uh, he is. Yeah, I think one one time he was the most recorded guitar player in the world. Uh, <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> yeah, he got the Paul Butterfield gig when he was sixteen. <laughs> Played Woodstock when he was seventeen or whatever it was. Yeah, and and you know, if you recall the Stevie Wonder record, "Music of My Mind," Stevie played everything but guitar. And trombone. So it was George Bohannon on trombone and Buzz Featon on guitar. Wow. And so when I actually got the call from Buzzy, it was uh, because I'd been doing local gigs in Laguna Beach. And uh, Randy Azrati, great engineer, approached me one night and said, who are you? And I said, well, I just moved out here. And he said, give me your number. I might have a few guys that would like to speak with you. Sure. So a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from Buzzy Featon. And knowing about his history before that with the original Full Moon, one of the first uh, legit fusion bands yeah. uh, with the R&B tilt and then his stuff with Butterfield and everything else he was done. It was one of those moments of, sure, you feel like hanging up yeah. the phone. You know? yeah. Because, no, you, you might have heard of me. We got a little band. <laughs> We're looking for a bass player. Yeah. So uh, went and auditioned uh, for those guys. And, uh, and Buzzy was so kind and gracious to me. He actually helped me carry my bases out and went, no worries, man. No worries. Just don't worry about it. You're going to get the gig. So they, they went through callbacks, and it was just, I think, three of us. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, I was the one who got the date. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, playing with he, him and Neil Larson, was just probably one of my favorite musicians on the planet. Like I said, it was just an education every night. I never played with guys of that quality. Right. And doing the things that we were doing, you know, national tour dates, uh, Japan and uh, studio stuff. So, yeah, it yeah, was phenomenal. Exciting. Yeah. I got a buzzy feet and story for you. It'll make you chuckle. <laughs> OK. So I got a call. Uh, I'm not going to say it names, but I got a call from a you know very well-known uh, musician. He says, look, we have this uh, budget to record this album. And Buzzy Featon was the guitar player, but he pulled out. Uh, we were hoping, can you still hear me? 
Yeah. Because the picture dropped out for a second. Yeah. So, and a decline of oh, So we were hoping that uh, we could get you to come in and play and, and take his place. And I said, are you kidding? Of course. Uh, so so he, he got back to me a bit later on, I don't know, a couple of days later, and said, ah, oh, the record company doesn't want to put the money up now that uh, Buzzy Featon is not the guitar player. Oh, no. <laughs> I just said, oh, yeah, no. that's typical. Anyway, oh, I can man. understand that. They don't know me, I but think, they know him. And they knew all, everybody you know, else, you know. They knew all those happens. other guys. Sure. <laughs> and it happens to all of us. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Some work out, some don't. I've got a great Buzzy story for you. You know, he invented the uh, tuning system, right? Yeah, the Buzzfeed no. tuning system. Yeah. And now, now he's building guitars, but he'd always been a mad scientist. So he had this Strat that he completely routed out, and he put two steel rails in there so he could, change the location of the pickup sure he hadn't decided yet and we went to japan to start a tour and they were huge in japan so all the gear was set up and we weren't scheduled to play it was just for a presser and so all these photographers from japan were coming in and you know hustling for the best position taking pictures of the guitar going new buzz feet and model yeah <laughs> it was this routed out stratocaster that looked like a rat's nest you know so we got a great laugh out of that. That was his experimental piece. <laughs> I, I know how persistent that guy can be. You know, when I was managing the uh, guitar shop in Laguna, he used to come in there and try and sell us those nuts he designed. You know, oh, that, did he? those those tuned those tuned nuts, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, man, he was persistent. He couldn't understand why we weren't going to buy quantities and you know replace every nut on every guitar in the shop with this new nut, right? Because it made the guitar play in tune when you're playing open chords you know there's certain chords right. that are temperamental on the guitar right so yes. uh, so like uh, yeah he was <laughs> he, he, i had to talk to him about it all the time I said, no i don't think we're gonna do that uh, he's like what i go yeah we're not gonna do it. you know it's like oh sorry anyway you get the idea absolutely hey how about uh how about todd robinson as a guitarist uh, you work with him a lot uh I did. Yeah. I uh, worked with Todd with uh, Tim Weisberg is where we got in. Actually, it was before Tim. Uh, just doing local dates, the White House and days gone by and yeah. places like that on Sunday afternoons. And, you know, we were kind of drawn to each other's playing and personality. Sure. Great guy. And, He's a local uh, he guy at, too, right? Is he local? Yeah. Uh, Manhattan Beach. Oh, okay. Southern California. Yeah. I was Southern thinking Orange California. County. I, I saw him at the... Uh, I saw him at the studio cafe one night playing with uh, somebody, and I uh, I wondered where he lived. Yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah, great player. Oh, great sweet player. guy. He did the first two Clouds records, and then took a road gig, and I think he did some recording with him as well with one of the uh, largest Latin stars in the world, Luis Miguel. You were telling me, and yeah, yeah, just a, a great band, uh, boy. Just all world class players. And they go, there's a uh, bullring in Mexico City. They don't have bullfights anymore, of course, but okay. it holds 100,000 people, and they could sell that out 30 nights in a row. No kidding. Yes, and because he's such a huge star, you know, in the, in the Latin countries, it's unbelievable. And uh, so he tours with a, you know, it, the tour is always different. Sometimes you'll take out mariachis with him for part of the show. Then, and the electric part of the show just sounds like Earth, Wind, and Fire or Tower of Power with the guy singing in Spanish. 
and uh, you know they've won Grammys for some of those live uh, DVDs he, and he stuff. He could change his name to Chico Pescado. You know, uh, <laughs> Todd Robinson doesn't sound like a Latin guy at all. He has to he has to change his name to something. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. But I think he fit in pretty well. You know, oh, he's he a great. I, I love playing speak. Latin music. Uh, thanks to guys like Demiola and Santana. But uh, you can sure. see the attraction uh, of being a guitar player. Uh, playing in a great Latin band. It's just guitar, 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 music, period. You know, it's like yes. the guitar is always yeah. a featured instrument in Latin music. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. How about this uh, this Mike Hamilton guy that lives down here in uh, Orange County? I mean, he's, he's uh, well, what can you say about him? So he plays uh, the bass with his feet, and he strums the guitar uh, and sings. He does, like, multiple uh, tasking there. Uh, what was he like in the Kenny Loggins band, you know? Uh, incredible. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, one of the finest musicians I've ever had the pleasure to work with. The guy Isn't can play he? anything. Yeah. He's just astounding. And uh, here's a little story for you uh, about... Uh, uh, one of the songs off the High Adventure album that we did with Kenny. And the song is called Swear Your Love. And Mike took the uh, tapes to his home studio and tracked, you know, right. a solo that he really believed in and took it back. And they went, ah, we don't think so, man. We're, we're not sure we want to buy this. And Mike held his ground. He goes, that's the best guitar solo I've ever recorded. I'm going to to touch it. <laughs> so... You know, when you hear that from a guy who's oh, God, in weird. the band, but still. I wish you know, I had that kind of integrity. <laughs> <laughs> so that's they genius. actually kept it. And I would encourage all your listeners to go find that track on YouTube or something. Swear okay. Your Love. But it's it's an incredible piece of pop Good music. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Just a great solo. And, you know, yeah. as you said, what he does now with, you know, playing acoustic piano and bass pedals and nylon string guitar and electric guitar. Yeah. It's it's Who insane. can do that? Uh, yeah. He's the only one I've ever met. Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. Know. I'm saying he's such a, a you know, phenomenon. Yeah, so he, he really is. Yeah. Plus, he sing, sings great. You know, working at the, yeah, he can sing. I mean, I uh, now correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was playing with a Captain Beefheart for a while, right? Yeah. You could, yeah, I think you're right about that. They were yeah. good friends when he lived in LA. I thought I saw him on a video where he was like, they were dancing around like maniacs in a, in a, in a Captain Beefheart record, yeah, yeah. Or, or video. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that they were very, very close friends. Yeah. And uh, so I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, he used to talk about that project a lot. So. Captain Beefheart. Wow. Yeah, interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> interesting stuff. Ry Cooter, the first time he did a gig with uh, Captain Beefheart, uh, Captain Beefheart had epileptics. A seizure on the stage oh, and no. uh, you know he fell into the audience or somehow the audience got a hold of him and Ry Cooter said he had to hold the whole show together while the crowd carried Captain Beefheart around up like this while he was you know having an epileptic seizure so oh, I don't know man. Now you, think, that's, you can't script that in rock and roll <laughs> well it's in a, a famous uh, book a BBC a producer's some book like that or, or Living Legends yeah and that was yeah. one of Ry Cooter's stories. Yeah, but I, to work with Captain Beefheart, uh, I mean, Mike would have been touched, uh, you know, quite early on in, in the picture <laughs> by that guy, you know. Yeah. Play with play with reckless abandon, so to speak. Yeah, I, I love Absolutely. Mike. He's, he's a he's a real humble guy too. Super. He guy. is. Yeah, um, very when sweet. I first got back from Australia, um, 
and I was, uh, you know, visiting my brother in Laguna. I came down to see you play. You're playing at the Marine Room with uh, Paul Peterson. Do you remember that? Oh wow! Yes, I think I think yeah. you had uh, Daniel Blanca, and I, mean, I think Daniel Blanca was actually the only guitar player you had up there. And Paul, of no, I, I, Paul, if I'm guitar. remembering, it was no. I think it was actually Richard Steckel, Daniel Blanca, right. myself. And my dearly uh, departed uh, former Sue? spouse, Sue, Susan, yeah, yeah, Susan Porter, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that was you know just one of those things, show and blow, you know. Yeah, but those guys were yeah. all good musicians, so it wasn't like it, oh. Yeah, they're all great players. Steckel, so Steckel would bring his. Well, you're one of the finest slide players I've ever heard in my life. And Steckel would bring his little frying pan, you know, the Ricky Rickenbacker. Yeah, yeah. His lap, lap, uh, and just play these, you know, Miles Davis solos on. A, on a no, slide. he's he's very yeah. uh, very good at the uh, slide guitar for sure. Yeah, he was in the guitar shop one time, trying to extract old Rickenbacker pickups out of those lap, you know, pedal steel pedal or pedal steel uh, lap. Lap steel, uh, you know, God. The lap man. steel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God. Take the pick about it and then put that into a Telecaster and then play slide on, you know, and I think Ry Cooter <laughs> was doing that too. Oh, really? Is there any, is there any like uh, subject? I want to get away from these guys. Anyway, any subject that you could think of that we haven't covered because we've been uh, talking for over 40 minutes here? It's been absolutely fantastic. Doesn't uh, seem like it, does it? Well, uh, I would like to talk about something else. I would like to talk about our time together. Our time together? You know? Absolutely, you, man. You mean, one of my you mean the studio cafe time together? The studio cafe time together. We did a little bit of tracking together, but boy, that was always, uh, you know, what's going to happen tonight. Mario <laughs> you know? Rossi. Yes, you Mario brought, Rossi. You brought over. him in. And he, by the way, the stuff that he does now, oh. he, he's off the planet that guy is insanely good mario he's rossi like ex- yeah yeah look him up man he, on youtube he's like an extension of the larson feeton band neil larson the great keyboard player has been such a heavy influence on him that that's the vein that he writes in it doesn't sound like he's copying anything but you can absolutely tell the influence and he's a brilliant writer i mean with my recording projects with above the clouds yeah i always included a mario rossi composition because he's a fabulous writer. When he right? when he threw those charts at me, I go, "Hey, you've been playing the drums in my trio for the last three years. What the heck is this? You know?" <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, yeah. I'm playing Mario Rossi fusion tunes in the studio, and it was really tough stuff. Yes, absolutely, man. That was hard. And to he's kind of, and he's a taskmaster when it comes to production a little bit, you know. <laughs> he worked for me as an, as my engineer for you yeah. know, uh, several records. He's got very, he very good ears, doesn't he? He does. Amazing ears. Uh, yeah. Hear anything. Great We're talking voice. Talking about you, Mario. You little, yes, we are. You little Italian genius, you. <laughs> but playing with you was a thrill for me as well. Oh, well. Let, well of, what do you remember? Seriously, about, man. What do you remember about the studio cafe that... Uh, that, uh, you well, can... I just remember your vast array, or shall we say, large tool belt that you brought to every gig. And so, like I said, we never knew what was going to happen. You know, we're playing a tune, and all of a sudden you disappear, and the first time that ever happened, I'm going, what happened to John? Where'd he go? <laughs> and you're outside walking around the neighborhood, <laughs> blowing away the tourists. 
with some amazing try to guitar rope work. Him, try to rope them in, you know. Get your <laughs> yeah, get off was... the sidewalk, come out of that beat <laughs> off the beach, get your you know, get yourself into the studio, look what we're doing in here, you know, whatever. But it, was but fun. it was already packed. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just creating a line around the block. Yeah, that's but basically what it, we had going all the time. There was a line to get in that place. The musical chemistry between you, myself, and Mario was just off the charts, man. We didn't have to talk about anything. Didn't have to, you know, it was just a look and gone and yeah. we're just playing. Well, and I relied so on that. I relied on people that uh, could do that because, uh, you know, it. it's like uh, it's like a highly evolved garage band, you know, that, that's very eclectic. You know, we played all kinds of music. And in order to yes. do that, people had to, you know, be flexible, versatile, and, and ready to have some fun. I mean, come on. It's like, yeah, it's nothing but fun in the end, right? Absolutely. And, uh, we peaked a lot. We had some great, uh, God, great moments, man. People used to come in there. It was like a, it was like an event, you know. People would tell yes. me, I wait around all week thinking about what's <laughs> going to happen down there at the studio cafe the next time I go in there, you know. Right. People were there yeah, every week. It was always week. a surprise. Yeah. Yes. Packed every week, lying around the block. Thanks and for bringing that, was that a up. Great time. No, it's true because how many guys get to do that nowadays? Uh, you know, that's a dying art form. You know, there's some underground stuff, young kids that are doing some really great stuff. But just to go out and have chemistry and play off of each other like that, yeah. extend the solos and things, it's just, yeah. you know, I hate to say like an old jammer. But, you know, because all those cats that we listened to growing up, they had the same thing. Oh, you young guys, you know, you don't get it. And I'm not coming from that place at all. I have a lot of respect for some yeah. uh, young players. There's some greatness out there. There always is. Yeah, there's always but that was a, somebody. Yeah. You never know who's going to be the next special. force, you know. There's some you know great what? players. Oh, boy. There's this the guy, Matteo uh, Mancuso. Have you seen him? Mateo. I have not. Oh, get ready. When you discover yeah, okay. this cat, you're going to go, oh. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? The best B3 player in the world's probably sitting in a basement in Akron, Ohio right now. And we just don't know we who it is. We just haven't dug him up yet, huh? Get yeah, out exactly. of there. Get yeah, it down to yeah. the yeah, get that thing out. Show yeah. us what you got. Hey, uh this has been a really fantastic uh chat for me. I mean, you like uh, talk about you know, digging stuff up that is great, really. And I'm so proud of you, and I, I'm grateful that I got to uh, work with you when we did. Uh, but the stuff that oh, you've yeah. done is just, it's just so great. I'm so glad uh, you got to do that and share that with everybody. Well, thank you, John. Yeah, it was, I'm truly humbled by your comments. And it was, you know, I just came out here from the Midwest, you know, a kid with a bass and a dream. I remember. And, you know, just <laughs> fortunate to be in the right place at the right time, you know. Yeah, good on you, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. yeah, it's been a blessing. Well, let's stay in touch, okay? And uh, hope to uh, play it. some music with you sometime. Hey, you know what? When we get our freedom back, absolutely, we <laughs> must do that. The COVID cuffs? <laughs> get, when we get the COVID, the COVID cuffs, you got to take them off, or maybe we could do a drive-in gig together. Isn't it something? Oh, it is. The COVID thing is a, you know, it's, yeah. it's an act of uh, nature, but uh, it's uh, helping people uh, <laughs> be honest with themselves, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Well, it's been a real pleasure for me, yeah. man. I was I was so humbled to get this call from you. Oh, thanks. And uh, I always love playing with you. 
And yeah. not only that, you're an amazing human being. So ah, cut God it bless out. Hey, everybody out there, the reason why I have this show is because I needed people to tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) No way. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Let's talk soon. Let's do it. See ya. Take care. You've been listening to a Believe podcast. I'm your host, John Heusenstamm, and this is The Guitar Life. We're going to close with Vernon Porter giving us all a bass guitar lesson. Thank you very much. Kids, how you doing today? I got a short uh, lesson for you here, but before we get started, it seems like everybody who's teaching bass now does it with an English, English accent, so we're just going to go there. So I'd just like to talk about a pet peeve. I've been watching all these teaching videos like on YouTube and stuff, and it's driving me crazy because everybody's keeping time with their right hand. They'll play a lick, and then you're hearing all this stuff, right? Stop it. Stop it. It's nuts. What you're doing is you're going to drive people crazy. If they solo up the bass track, all they're going to hear is, and you're gone. You'll never be invited back. So let's say you get your dream gig with Ozzy or something like that, and you're playing your rock bass track, and all of a sudden they hear you keeping time with your right hand. You're toast. Get out. Take your bass. Leave. Go home. The other thing is stop keeping time with your right foot up and down. Are you kidding me? With your bass hopping up and down. Stop it. If you must keep time, it's with the left foot, okay? But try to keep time in your melon. It doesn't happen outside the body. It's in the melon. And stop the tapping. Stop the the tapping with the right foot, with the right hand. Keep it a gentle up and down motion with the left if you must. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.